Thanks for listening to the podcast from Old Town Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Old Town Church is passionate about making disciples for the glory of God in Old Town and around the world by inviting people to know the gospel, experience biblical community, and live on mission. If you're in the Rock Hill area, we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday. If you're not in our area, we encourage you to find a gospel-believing church near you. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you as we seek to follow Jesus and the grace of his gospel. Thanks for listening. My name is Brooke, and this is my husband, Zach, and we are partners here at OTC. Please join us as we read from Philippians 4, verse 2 and 3. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syndike to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Joking with the Lees, they really got a short one uh, this time. Um, Hey, welcome, my name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here at at Old Town Church. And uh, I don't know, you know, I hope hope you all had a great morning. Um, Some of you Georgia fans are struggling a little bit today and that's okay, we're here with you. Um, but, you know, I, I hope you rested well last night. I hope, I hope when you woke up this morning, you were refreshed. Um, I did not. I woke up from a nightmare. Like, I don't know how you nightmare. I don't know what your nightmares are like. I was talking with a couple this morning, just like, you know, how, like in college, like exams, you like have these nightmares after exam week. Like, did I turn that in? Did I, you know, I, I, had a, I had a pastor nightmare last night, all right? This is, I, this is real. This isn't like a pastor joke. Like, I, and the, I, I was visiting this massive church, all right? Thousands of people at this church. And uh, one of my friends had invited me to come who, who worked there and just to come be a part of the service. And, you know, as a pastor, sometimes it's actually fun to go visit another church and just be there. It's like you get to, to worship the joint Thanksgiving service we had with other churches in our area a couple weeks ago. That's so much fun for me because I just get to, like, be a part and be one of the, the people. And so in my dream, I was just there, this big church, we were worshiping, everything was great. And then it was time for the, the pastor to get up and preach and no one got up there. Uh, and, and, you know, I started having this like tingly feeling and then I started, people started looking at me and I'm kind of and like occupational hazard, like in a small group when it's time to pray, everyone's like, you know, looking straight. I'm like, no, 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 you guys can pray too. Right. So, so I'm in this dream and then my buddy leans over to me and is like, hey, this now's when you go up there to preach. And I have nothing prepared, all right? And this is like, I start like just internally and I'm thinking through, I'm like looking at my computer, can I bring up an old sermon in my mind that I could just, and all of these people are looking at me and the sound guy's trying to like wire the wireless microphone up in my shirt in front of all of these people. And then I woke up. And so that was my dream, like woke up from the, I I literally was sweating like when I woke up, which is gross, we'll wash the sheets later. But, uh, and so I hope, this has nothing to do with the sermon today. I'm just like, it just felt good to talk about it. So, um, but I don't know how your nightmares are. But the the good thing is, I did know I was preaching this morning, and I do have something prepared for us to walk through. Um, But, uh, and and it is an interesting passage that we've got today. Um, And and it reminds me a little bit, so we had this flower in our garden uh, called, it's a passion vine. It's this vine where these really really beautiful flowers grow off of it. All right. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a rare vine. Someone had given it to us and we planted it in our garden. It's, it's very beautiful, but it's also very aggressive. Like above the surface, you see this vine growing and all these really beautiful, complex, colorful blooms coming from it. 
Uh, but then what we began to realize is underneath the surface, it was very aggressive and dominant in the way that it spread other roots out. And, and I found out one day, it started like literally, the vine was over here, like 10 feet over this way in our garden, another shoot of it sprung up out of the ground. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And so I, I started pulling it and traced it. And it, it, this vine had aggressively grown under, underground. It was sucking all of the nutrients, choking out all the nutrients from so many other plants in our, our garden being able to, to thrive. And so it looked good on the surface, but underneath it was doing a lot of damage. And, and it's one of those things, you know, sometimes the smallest things left alone can actually create a lot of damage. Um, and so on the surface, I wanted it to look good. I really just wanted to leave it because on the surface it looked great. Uh, but if I left it like that underneath, it was actually going to ruin so many other plants in our garden. And so even staring at the pretty blooms, that plant was killing off other flowers. And, and just like that vine was doing to my garden, sometimes small things in our lives left unattended can become some of the biggest problems. And I think this is what unresolved conflict does within the local church. And, and so today, the Apostle Paul is going to walk us into that a little bit with these two uh, women in Philippians 4, 2 through 3. We've been studying this book and, and uh, this letter from this real guy, Paul, to this real church in Philippi with real people in it. And this was a real letter that he wrote to them that we read as a book, but this is a letter written to a church. And in that letter, Paul instructs so many things to those church on how they can be a healthy church. What does it look like for you to be healthy? And one of the things that he highlights over and over and over again in this book is unity. That one of the things that if you want to be a healthy church, one of the things that you pursue is unity with one another. And so in the passage today, Paul's going to address a specific conflict going on in the church of Philippi between these two women, Yodia and Syntyche. That's how I say their names. It might not be right, but Zach said it like that too. So I feel like we're, we're lined up there. So, and so here's our big idea for today. All right, here's the big idea. Healthy churches are made up of members who proactively resolve conflict. Healthy churches are made up of members who proactively resolve conflict. And so you're like, cool, came to church. We're going to talk about conflict resolution today. But I actually think this is really important and, and we'll talk about why? And we're going to get really practical on something that's essential to the health of this faith family. It's essential to our health as a church, but it's also something we just don't, we don't talk about it very often, all right? We don't like to talk about conflict because it makes us feel uncomfortable and sometimes we'd rather just ignore it. Uh, but just like that passion vine in my garden, if we ignore the conflict just for the appearance of things looking good on the surface, then it's going to be wreaking havoc to our health underneath the surface. And so church, uh, just hear me this morning as your pastor. What we're going to talk about today is essential to our health as a faith family and, and, and as we pursue who God wants us to become as a church. And so uh, I want us to be very unconcerned with how we look on the surface, all right? As a church, I want us to shake out of that, like, how do we present ourselves to look a certain way? Let's break out of that, like, approval-seeking kind of thing. And, and let's really focus on how we can grow genuinely healthy with our good roots underneath the surface, all right? So that's, our, that's one of the things we'll focus on today. So uh, point number one is this, conflict in the church is to be expected. Look at these verses that we just read. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, if, if we can just from this uh, passage get some idea of what was going on here, you got this disagreement between these two women. Paul had clearly heard about a division concerning them, right? He's writing a letter back to the church where he specifically addresses them by name. And so the church probably, if you go back at the end of chapter two, when we were talking about Epaphroditus, the church had sent Epaphroditus with a letter to Paul. It's likely that in that letter, the church asked for Paul's help in this disagreement. And so Paul's now writing a letter back uh, that he sent with Epaphroditus back to the church addressing this issue. And that issue is likely not theological. All right, if it was theological, Paul had this history of really addressing that. Like, hey, you gotta stop doing this, stop believing that because it's not true. Paul doesn't do that here. Uh, he just addresses the women, all right? And there's also not mention of one of them blatantly doing something wrong to the other. It's not like, hey, Yodia, you need to forgive Syntyche for this thing that she did. It's, I entreat Yodia, I entreat, I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I, I'm, I'm treating them both equally in this. And so it wasn't likely that one of them did the super blatant thing to the other, but there's just a disagreement between the two of them. But what we do know is that the disagreement was impacting the church enough that they asked Paul for help. All right, this wasn't something that was being resolved or being pursued to be resolved. And so what do we know about these women? All right, you, you've got Yodia and Syntyche who have awesome names, um, but what do we learn about them? Well, we learn that they labored alongside Paul in the gospel, all right, that, that their names are written in the book of life. These are believers, these are co-laborers, these are, are active members of the church. They were engaged. They were integral enough in the church that their disagreement was actually impacting the church. All right, so this wasn't just like this occasional person off on the side that didn't really know anyone. Like this was a, a very integral part of the church. And so these women were having this disagreement that was, was impacting the church. And so what we have here is from what we can tell, two godly, engaged, gospel committed women who are having a conflict to the point that the church is being impacted by it. And this didn't just happen in Philippi. If you go read lots of Paul's letters, he addresses these types of things or he'll address uh, conflict. He's constantly calling for unity as a part of most of the letters that he wrote to these churches. I mean, go back and read Corinthians. Like he's always saying like, y'all, you gotta stop this. Like you're doing this thing and it's causing division in the church. Stop that. I encourage you to, to fight against division and to pursue unity. Paul's constantly addressing that within the churches. And, and so conflict was a part of the church back then and I think we can expect conflict to be a part of the church now, right? Like, I think this is something that we can expect. I don't think we have to panic when we have conflict. Like, oh, what's happening? Like, this is so weird. I can't believe this. Like, this is something that's normal with humans. We don't have to be surprised by there being conflict. It's normal and natural for us to have disagreements. Like, do you have disagreements in your family? Of course you do. At, at work, are there, is there conflict and disagreement? Yes, there is. All right, students at school, is there conflict amongst people at school? Definitely, all right, this is just part of life. Why would we not expect to have conflict in the church? There's this gathering of people, right? And you are all beautiful and wonderful and I love you so much, but like we get us in a room and we start living life together, there's gonna be conflict amongst us. And so we should expect, expect conflict for two primary reasons. First, we're different. We're different from one another, and that's not bad. That's actually a good thing. It's good that we are different. Being different is not a part of the fall. It's not a part of our sinfulness. God created us that way, and being different is a good thing. We are unique individuals. 
with different backgrounds, different experiences, different situations, different perspectives, and we bring all of that in here with us. We've each walked different roads as we tell stories. Even on Thanksgiving Sunday, we had people sharing stories of what they've walked through this year. Those things shape us, and we bring those in. We're different, all right? And that being different is not a bad thing. It's something that we can celebrate. We can be diverse and unified at the same time. This is a work and a display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But second, we're sinful. This is one of the reasons we have disagreement and conflict. Uh, Another reason we should expect conflict is because we are sinful and we're here. Like you brought, when you walked in that door, you brought sin in with you. And we, we bring that in here together, that we bring our sin, we bring our mess, we bring our brokenness into relationships with one another. And that's going to cause conflict. It's going to cause disagreement. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to respond poorly to one another. And, and, and it, part of that's because of the sin that still is raging within us. And so listen, people consider church this like perfect place where you won't get hurt, right? And, and some of the deepest hurts come because you get them from people at church and you think it shouldn't be this way. And, and I just believe that's, that's wrong thinking. I think we could expect to have conflict here with one another. And, and I think that idea that like this church is this like perfect place is, is just a portrayal often that we have perpetuated by trying to entice people to come to church by presenting it as this like utopian place. And the truth is the essence of the gospel is we are broken and fractured and sinful and we need Jesus. And so a a gospel-centered approach to church is this understanding, like we can expect to have conflict. We can expect to have disagreement. We're different. We're sinful. That's going to impact one another. This is a place, this is probably not what you wanted to hear this morning. This is a place that you will get hurt. Old Town Church. I'm not talking about all those other churches. They're probably perfect and great. I'm talking about us. I will hurt you. We will hurt one another. it's, It's a reality that we walk in, we will disappoint one another, we will disagree with one another. That's true everywhere you go. Now, what should separate the church from every other corner of society is not our lack of, of, of sinfulness, not our lack of hurting one another. It's actually that of any place, we should be able to resolve that conflict and be united despite our sin and despite our differences. Like the thing that sets us apart from the world is not our sinfulness and conflict, it's the resolution and the peacemaking that's made possible only through Jesus. It's not our lack of sin that displays the gospel. The gospel is actually made greater in the midst of our weakness. It's the love that we have for one another despite our sin, despite our conflict, that actually portrays the gospel to the world, the good news of the gospel is what Jesus did for us. He loved us in the depth of our sin. He died for us while we were still weak, while we were still sinners, while we were rejecting him, while we were spiritually dead, he died for us. That's good news. And now he does this in us. For those who are in Christ, he begins to do that work in us. He gives us the power to forgive. He gives us the power to make peace, that power to unite together. He doesn't resolve our conflict by making us all the same. That's not the solution. He unites us despite our differences, and that's what makes the church beautiful. And so listen, expect conflict. I think we can expect it. It's an unfortunate reality of a fallen world. And if we can come to grips with expecting conflict, 
then I think we can better be equipped to resolve the conflict and pursue peace and unity with one another. So we can expect conflict within the church. Point number two, conflict resolution is essential. Like, listen, if, if conflict in the church is to be expected, all right, so we've kind of laid that as a groundwork, like we can expect that to happen, then conflict resolution is absolutely essential. Paul, Paul takes this very seriously. When you look at this passage in, in verses two and three, uh, he's not speaking in generalities, right? He's not just like, hey, y'all like love one another, all right? This is a serious issue that he addresses head on and he starts dropping names. Like this isn't like, consider the fact that most likely this, this letter was read to the church. So imagine coming in this morning and me being like, hey, I've written a letter to you guys. I'd like to read it. And I specifically want to call out Will Harper and Trevor King and just say, you guys got to get along. Like, you know, I mean, like, how can you feel that secondhand embarrassment a little bit? Like, imagine how you would feel not just being Yodia or Syntyche, but imagine just being the rest of the church where you're like, oh, this is awkward. Like, he said their name, but we all know what's going on. We know what's happening. Like, Paul dealt with this very specifically. Why does he take it so seriously? He could have just been like, hey, y'all figure this out. Y'all, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. No, Paul addresses it head on. He drops their names and he says, you know, I want someone else to, to help with them. It's serious because the consequences of not dealing with conflict are serious. There's great danger in unresolved conflict. First, it creates division in the church, which is ultimately a negative reflection on Christ and the gospel. I mean, if, if John 13, 34, if the world knows that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another, then the inverse of that is that if we're not loving one another, if we're not resolving that conflict, then it's a negative display of the gospel to the world. It's like that passion vine in my garden spreading its roots all under the ground and choking out the nutrients from the other plants. Earlier in the letter, Paul had addressed multiple times the essential nature of the unity of the church. He talks about this all throughout this letter that the church's unity is a reflection to the world of the beauty of the gospel and ultimately the beauty and the power of Christ in his people. And so we can't be a people. We cannot be a people who accepts division. We can't sit by passively and just allow division to seep into the veins of our church like a poison because it does poison us. This is what happens when we leave conflict unresolved. But second, by not seeking to resolve conflict, you also rob both parties of the opportunity to be sanctified through the experience. Church, God uses conflict to expose our sin. He uses conflict to show us things that are deeply embedded in us that he is, he's going to root out in us. All right? I, I bet each of us could tell story after story of how these hard relational situations whether it be with siblings growing up or a roommate you had or a coworker or a spouse or a teammate or whatever, like you have these conflicts. And for those who are in Christ, God uses that to root some sin out in you. Like, why does it bother me so much that they never put the cap back on the toothpaste? Like, what is that thing? Like, you know, why is it that my roommate always just leaves the dishes in there? Like, it's my job to clean up after them. Like, okay, yes, they should clean up after themselves, but why am I responding that way? You know, it's like conflict roots these things out in us. God uses that for our good. It's not fun. It's not easy, but it's an important part of our growth. And so by not seeking to resolve conflict, you're actually robbing yourself and the other person of an opportunity to become more like Christ. 
It's not loving to be passive about conflict resolution. A lot of times, church folk are nice, right? Like, we got to be nice. And so it's not nice to confront someone about a conflict. But what I want to say to you is that it's also not loving to talk with someone about a conflict. I know, I know that can be hard to hear, but most of the time, being passive in conflict resolution is it's fearful selfishness. And so we need to confront the reasons why we might be adverse to stepping in to resolve conflict. It's part of our fallen condition. And it's important. It's essential. But the beauty of it is this is where Christ comes in. So you're not on your own here. He's not like, hey, good luck with that. Like, y'all go just resolve your conflict and everything. Because he has made us new creations and has empowered us with his spirit, we can trust that he will use that conflict to make us more like him. We can trust that he's going to walk with us in that conflict that all along the way, even when you fumble it up, because listen, you won't resolve the conflict perfectly. You won't say the right thing. You won't take all the right steps. You, like you're going to mess this up along the way. And he's using even that as you go to grow you in him. And so ultimately the goal of conflict resolution is a sanctification individually and a unity that displays the power of the gospel, all right? And this is why conflict resolution is essential. This is why Paul is taking it so seriously in Old Town Church. That's why we should too. We should take this seriously because God will use this to grow us more and more into his image. And ultimately, how we love one another displays to the world the love of Christ that he's had for us. And so we have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Will we ignore the conflict and try and pretend like everything's good? We're fine. We're fine. Everything's good. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to. Or will we step into that messiness, ultimately trusting that God is going to use it for his glory and for our good? So conflict resolution in the church is to be expected. Conflict resolution is essential. And then finally, and maybe a little more practically, conflict resolution is biblical. Like, I, th I think it's important for us to, to see that, like, the Bible speaks to this all over the place. All over the place, there's conflict being resolved. All over the place, God is getting his people to step into this, all, not just here in Philippians, but all through books in the Old Testament, through Proverbs and Psalms, through many of the letters in the New Testament. There's conflict being resolved, and there's principles that we can gain from that. It's essential, and the Bible speaks to it. Now, disclaimer here this morning. Uh, we can't cover every aspect of conflict resolution in here. Uh, in these moments, we can't also address every type of situation. And I'm for sure, I just want to be super clear about this, I'm for sure not addressing situations of trauma and abuse. So when I'm talking about conflict resolution, that's not what I'm talking about right now. If you have experienced some form of trauma or abuse, we have a care team that we've established here that's developing a plan for how to walk with you through that how to walk alongside you with that. What other care might you need? And so when I'm talking about conflict resolution and peacemaking today, that, that's a different category of moving forward, okay? And so this is more of, of a relational conflict. And so, and, and if, by the way, just before I, I move past that, like if you want to be connected to a member of our care team, come find me after service. I would be glad or, or anytime. You can email me or whatever, and we'll connect you with someone who then is going to walk with you through that. We don't want to leave you out there uh, on that. And so come to us and let us walk with you through that. But today, again, we're dealing with relational conflict. And so that we, we can't cover all that the Bible teaches, right? I think we can get some principles from this passage and a few others that helps us just, let's put some, some basic principles together on how to resolve conflict. So what I'm going to do 
And I don't normally like to do things like this, where it's like, here's five steps to whatever. But today, we're going to do five principles for conflict resolution. And, and I do think these are sequential. These are linear. I do think they go in an order. It doesn't mean you can't apply all of them at all times, but I do think they, they do build on one another. And so the first one is this, examine your own heart. This is the essential first step that you're first going to examine your own heart. You, you're going to, it, this eliminates pride, right? Because it's going to expose that, that pride and that sin. It's going to expose our own role in this. Uh, I've said over and over again uh, how many times in, in, in conflict with my wife, because um, we do have conflict. We do fight. Our kids can attest to that. Like, I am so prideful. Like, I am so prideful in those moments. I'm like, man, oh, she, she does not get it. You know, like, it just like, I think I am so right. And um, she's one. I'm like, if we just sit here and reason through this, I can show you how I'm right and you're wrong, right? Like, this is so bad for me to admit, but it's just true. And so Megan's not like that. She's more like um, slam something and walk away and give me some time. And so that has been so beneficial for me because then the Lord's like, so Matthew, let's talk about you now. Um, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I think actually maybe I'm wrong. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I think you are, <laughs> you know. And so it's really helpful, right, to examine our own heart. Uh, Paul, and, and even in this passage, Paul addresses both women equally. I bet both of them thought the other one's wrong, right? Like when you're in a conflict, you're like, I'm right, they're wrong, whatever. But Paul says, I entreat Yodia, I entreat Syntyche, I'm, I'm treating you equally. I want you both to agree in the Lord. That means you both have a role in this, all right? Paul addresses them because they both need to be proactive about peacemaking, and this examining of our heart also helps slow our immediate and emotional reactions, all right? Now, emotions are okay. I just, I feel like particularly within the church, there is this negative view of emotions, and I, I, I disagree with that so much. God created them. They are so good. Like, your emotions are okay, but sometimes we sin out of those emotions, right? So, I mean, sometimes we're having those emotions and, and, and we end up sinning out of that. And so taking this time to examine your own heart actually gives you time to make sure you don't respond negatively out of those emotions. Sometimes our emotions can cause that like ready, fire, aim, you know, like we get the, the order a little bit wrong. And so taking that moment to pause um, and, and just examine our own hearts, we might be able to see like, how is fear playing into the way I'm responding? Like, how is my insecurity impacting the way I'm receiving what's happening, right? Like we could just take that moment in counseling, we talk about like a critical pause. We're just going to take a pause, let's take a deep breath, and in that moment we allow the Lord just to work in us and expose some things to us. We pray, we ask him for help. Uh, listen, you don't need to own more responsibility than is yours, but you also don't need to own less responsibility than is yours. And so we ask the Lord to examine our own heart. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is teaching. He's talking about judging uh, other people. And it's this passage you've heard about a lot, right? Where, where he's like, hey, uh, listen, um, you, you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own. Now think about a speck and then think about a log. Everybody make me a big log right here. This is like the width of a log. Come on. Yes, let's go. I see those hands. All right. So you got the speck in your brother's eye and you have a log in your own eye. Now, what is the log doing? It's preventing you from actually seeing the speck in your brother's eye. You are just blind to what's going on. So he says, hey, first, remove the log from your own eye. Deal with yourself first. And he doesn't end there. This is my favorite part of this. Take the log out of your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
And so we're going to look at ourselves first, but we're still going to walk alongside our brother and sister. We're still, hey, you've got a speck. I want to help you with that. I'm here to help you. But now that I've gotten me out of the way, I can now see clearly to help you in that. And so all of this, all of this develops this dependence on Christ from the very beginning. It develops this humility in us that guides what we'll do next. So first, we examine our own hearts. Second, we're going to prayerfully consider uh, this in, uh, a loving confrontation. All right, we're going to prayerfully consider a loving confrontation. All right, prayerful consideration helps us consider, is this con confrontation necessary? It's this moment where we're like, Lord, this is, this is how I'm feeling. I've examined my own heart. Like, is this a step that I need to take? Right, am I just annoyed with someone? Or, or am, I, am I genuinely uh, offended? Is there, something that, is there a genuine division? Is this going to fester in me and cause this resentment of a brother or sister? So we're going to pray about it. Like, Lord, do I need to actually have this confrontation? So we take it to the Lord. Lord, do you want me to do this? Now, warning, this is a warning for us all. Don't confuse your desire to control or conform people to your idea of what they should be with the Lord using a confrontation to transform them into the image he wants them to be. All right, so sometimes we can like play puppet master and be like, oh man, I saw you do that wrong. Let me go help you with that. All right, like you have this idea of what everyone else needs to be. And so you're constantly going around correcting people. That's not what we're talking about here. This is why we examine our own heart first. This is why we prayerfully consider confrontation to make sure it's necessary and that you're not just trying to control other people. All right, and so we don't weaponize confrontation to serve our own purposes. That's why we prayerfully consider it. So this step is crucial because it filters out uh, how our sin might be impacting the way we move forward, right? Like it's my sin playing into how I think this should go. And so sometimes the Lord says, yes, move forward, have that, that confrontation, have that conversation with that person. Sometimes he's like, nope, don't do it. And sometimes he's like, yeah, but not yet because you're not ready yet. And I've experienced this a number of times where the Lord's like, yes, that's, something, that's a conversation that does need to happen, but you're not in a space for that right now. I've got some work I need to do in you first, and then we will get to that later. And so this is why we prayerfully just go to the Lord, like, help us with this. Like, tell us, show us what's going on, explore this in our own hearts. And so you just might not be in a good spot to have that conversation, but don't let that be your like, okay, now I don't have to worry about anything. If the Lord's like, yes, but not yet, listen, don't be passive then. This is a time for you to like, Lord, work in me then. Come on, do this work in me. Change me. Help me know when it is. And so if you feel the Lord say yes, then number three, go directly, go directly to your brother or sister. There's so many examples and exhortations to this in the scripture, but it's so important. And listen carefully, go directly to them first. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. Go directly to them first. When we go other places first, we, we start to try and build allies, right? Like sometimes they're like, hey, you know, I was thinking about this thing. This person said this. It kind of offended me. What do you think about that? And secretly, maybe not secretly, you're like hoping for an ally. You're hoping for someone to affirm your position. And, and the second we start forming allies, we've created divisions. We've created sides. And so we've got, we've got to be super careful with this. Super careful. It's not healthy or God-honoring for us to create sides. Sides creates divisions. And so we go directly to the person. And so you got to ask yourself, like, 
if I'm going to talk to somebody else, like I'm going to go talk to someone in my small group, and that seems very, like I'm going to throw out this prayer request for this person who said this thing about me, you know, it's like, ask yourself, am I trying to get this person on my side by sharing this with them? Am I trying to get this person to think negatively of the person that I'm talking about? You get yourself into a world of danger when you start talking to other people about it. And so you go directly to the person. Now, listen, I know not all situations are the same. And so if you really feel like you're unsure, like I'm not even sure I should take this step. I'm not sure what to do. I've I've prayed about it. I've examined my own heart. I just, this situation's delicate. And if I did this, it might, then, then this is what I would say to you. Just practical step here is like, come to one of the pastors of our church. My, myself, Sean Baxter right there, Scott Bennett in the back, Trevor King right over here. Come to us and, and let us help you walk through that, okay? And it might just be a, a little more of a neutral opportunity for you to, to really try and examine, is this the right step? How should I do this? And, and so, uh, so I know not all situations are the same, but in most cases, I'm just gonna say, go directly to that person. You go straight to them. And, and so once you've done that, like you're there, you're with this person, step four, you're going to pursue biblical peacemaking. And I can't like give you the exact steps for how every conversation should go. So this isn't like, every, everything's different, right? But there, there's a general, that's why these are principles, not steps. The goal here is unity. It's peace. You're, you're fighting against division. You're fighting for peaceful relationship with a brother or sister. Not a perfect relationship. Not best friends. You are not, hey, everybody, we love each other, right? You're not gonna be best friends with everybody in here. That's okay. That's all right. You might, this might be like a agree to disagree, but we can live in peace with one another. That's, sometimes that's just how this is gonna have to end. But we can, there's no resentment, there's peace, there's unity, but we probably just don't see eye to eye on things. That's, a, we're gonna, that's where we're gonna end up a lot of times. That's okay. So the goal is peace, it's not perfection. And and notice that Paul says in in verse 3, he says, or in verse 2, agree in the Lord. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't just say agree. All right, this is not a a call just to be the exact same or think the exact same way. That would fly in the face of celebrating our differences and and as God-given. That's sort of like, you know, when two kids are arguing, you're like, you guys hug and make up, say you're sorry. It's like no one's heart changed, right? You just, you said something that didn't really matter. And so uh, it's, Paul says, when he says agree, that word grouping that he's using right there actually goes back to the beginning of chapter two. So if you read the beginning of chapter two, where, where Paul's telling them to be of the same mind. And that mind is one that is the mind of Christ. It's a mind that's been given to you in Christ. It's a mind that is self-sacrificing and it's serving others. The mind of Christ that was humble and sought to build others up. So when Paul says, agree, he adds, agree in the Lord. And in that he's saying, like, sisters, have, have the humble mind of Christ that is yours. Pursue unity with one another. Pursue peace with one another. And that's possible through Jesus. You actually have that mind in you because Christ has given that mind to you. And he will empower you to live humbly and peacefully with one another. And so walk together in the Lord. And so we pursue biblical peacemaking through a dependence on the Lord and the spirit that resides in us. And then finally, step five, maybe you won't get here, principle number five. Ultimately, if there's still not a path forward, like You've done all of this, and there's just still not a path forward. There's still, uh, there's still some um, just disagreement between the two. Then it's okay to bring in some extra help. 
Um, Paul, Paul had already planted the seed of that in this letter. He's like, in true companion, I, I urge you to walk alongside these women as they do this. Be ready to help them. We, we don't really know who the true companion was. A lot of conjecture on that. But uh, it, regardless, Paul was acknowledging that these women might need some help. And that's okay if you need help. Sometimes we, we might also need help. And, and again, my encouragement to you specifically within the structure of this body and the way it's set up this way is that, that you would come to one of the pastors of this church um, and, and that we could help you walk through that. And, and if we realize we can't help, then we can find another, uh, another mediator, that maybe there's a, a, another source that we can go to to get that help. Uh, this is part of the role that God has given to the pastors, and so that's a, a role that we play. And so you go directly to the person. If there's still not uh, the ability to move forward, then you come to a pastor, and then we walk alongside and mediate in that. So again, we've got these five principles. They're not exhaustive. Right? But I do think they're, they're biblical, and they're going to help us seek to resolve conflict within our faith family. All right? And so uh, back to my, my, my passion flower, because I want to know, I, I'm sure you want to know how this turned out, right? Uh, I sought to resolve the conflict, okay? I began ripping up the roots of this passion vine that was choking everything out, and they were massive. It was really impressive. And I got this big tin bucket thing. And I, I replanted my passion vine into that, and I planted that into the ground so that the, the, the vines couldn't get out, you know. And so, and, and I was able to enjoy the beauty of that flower, and all the other flowers in the garden uh, flourished as well. And then two years later, it died. Um, and so that's not the moral of the story. I'm just, maybe the point is all illustrations don't work all the way to the end. So uh, if you know why my passion vine died, I'd like to know, because I'd like another one. Um, but, but listen, church, I have this, I've asked this question a couple times for us throughout the course of this series. What kind of church do we want to be? Like, what kind of church do you want to be? I, I can't, like, I can't do this by myself. That's, that's why in that, that big idea, it's healthy churches are made up of members who proactively pursue, uh, proactively resolve conflict. It's not just me doing, it's not just me talking about it. That doesn't actually get us anywhere. This is an equipping moment for us all now to walk in this. And, and so the, the question for us is what type of culture do we want to create here at Old Town Church? If, if we can expect conflict, if we know that conflict resolution is essential, we have some, some biblical principles to pursue it. My charge to you is now what do you do with that? How do you walk in that? We can be a people who walks in this within the Lord. It's a group effort, each individually being proactive in this. Listen, if we're going to grow uh, into the church that God wants us to be, with, with deep, healthy, sanctifying relationships, then we all need to be peacemakers in the midst of conflict. That, that we're not going to run from it. We're not going to back down, no matter how painful or awkward that is. But we will engage the conflict because we love one another and because Christ has given us the power to unite. And because ultimately, how we resolve conflict shines a beautiful light on a beautiful gospel and a beautiful God. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you who resolved our ultimate conflict through the sacrifice of your son, and we thank you that you have empowered us with wisdom and discernment, the ability to resolve conflict. So Lord, I just pray even in these moments today that you would uh, just prick our hearts if there's things, steps that we need to take and we need to just come to you and 
allow you to expose the sin in our own hearts. But God, I just, I pray ultimately for the unity of Old Town Church, for the, the, the peace of our relationships, for our ability to unite, even though we are diverse. And Lord, I just pray that we grow more diverse. And then that unity is more rooted in the gospel. And it's just this beautiful display of what you have done. And so Lord, help us with that. That's a work that we need you to help us with. It's your name we pray. Amen.